Welcome to the Grow Through International Expansion podcast. I'm Oliver Dowson. Let me be your guide as to how businesses, all kinds of businesses, small and large, can grow, solve their business problems, increase their profits, and grow their value. In these podcasts, we talk to all sorts of interesting people that bring their skills, experience, and insights to all aspects of international expansion. I hope you like these podcasts. If you do, subscribe and keep listening every week. We love comments too. And do share and tell others and check out our resources on our growinternational.org website. Hello, I'm Oliver Dowson. In this podcast, I'm going to talk about how I see the future of international business in 2021 and what those with small and medium businesses should be doing and planning in the months ahead, why nobody should panic, and why it makes sense to go on listening to us at Grow Through International Expansion podcasts and engaging with our articles and our other content. We're faced today with two major global crises, coronavirus and climate change. Whilst those aren't related to each other, both of them give rise to considerations about international business. Even Brexit gets tied in here. Don't panic. I'm staying positive. The one thing to like about crises is that they focus the mind in a way that nothing else does. As I've said before here, the most common reaction to any unknown business threat is to sit tight and do nothing. What I call deer in the headlights mentality. That's wrong. In this podcast, let's first examine where we are now, what the experts currently think might happen, and what, at least in my opinion, businesses should be thinking about and doing now. There's a body of opinion that COVID-19 is the death knell to globalisation. Politically, the world's been heading that way, with a surge in nationalism seen in so many countries, USA, India, Hungary, Turkey, UK, the list goes on. And the message from climate change activists that air travel and shipping need to be reduced or eliminated to cut emissions has been gaining acceptance. All of those things without coronavirus. Now we have an international disaster, a pandemic or epidemic, coming on us like an alien invasion in a sci-fi movie. Some are going to find it easy to believe that once the forces of good defeat the forces of evil, we'll revert to quieter, happier times when everything's home-produced, everyone has a job, there's no immigration, and the national anthem is sung every day. Realistically, of course, that's not going to happen. International business needs to go on, if for no other reason than the fact that Confining one's business to one's own country means a finite and therefore small market. No country is an island in the sense that no country is or can become self-sufficient in everything. At the most basic level, food and fuel need to continue to travel from one country to another. We can't starve and we don't want to live without energy. We've also got new dependencies. Nobody would want to be without their cell phone now. Those of us who are isolated by the virus will become even more dependent on them. And think about it, all or part of every phone sold comes from China. There's no short-term substitute, even if one was wanted. Easily illustrated by the recent kerfuffle about Huawei's involvement in 5G networks. Alternatives, and they're still not local solutions, mean much higher costs and years of delay. There are no short-term alternatives to any part of our global trade. Perhaps some manufactured goods could be produced closer to home. For example, clothing. Clothes I'm wearing now all have Western brand names, but were made variously in Vietnam, Bangladesh and India. I'm guessing they could have been made 
here. But think of the consequences. First of all, of course, they'd be more expensive. Labour costs here are higher. It's not good thinking that we're exploiting labour in those distant countries, of course. Certainly not in sweatshops and the like. But bringing the work home and taking those jobs away would impoverish many and have a very unwelcome impact on the economies and probably the politics of those countries. And who'd do the work here? The fact that the price of clothing would rise would, logically, reduce the volume of sales. We'd just buy fewer new clothes. From the environmental perspective, that might be good. Certainly that's something that's come up recently as one of the biggest kinds of wastage and recycling problems in the world after plastic. However, it would have a very damaging effect on retail, and that's a sector that's already suffering badly. So there'd be new jobs in the rag trade, but job losses in retail. Could one substitute for the other? People be willing to switch? You can see how complicated it is. And that's just clothing. Let's get back to the crisis that we face. I'm not going to try to make any predictions myself. There are enough out there already, and the situation changes every day. But it's clear that coronavirus is the worst thing the world has faced in years and years and years. Rational, scientific predictions that 80% of the population will be infected and that 1% of those will die, which means maybe half a million dead in the UK alone, are enough to stop anyone worrying about anything else. Even if the prediction's wrong by a factor of five, that's still 100,000 dying, which might include me. On the other hand, containment measures may work, cures may be found, but there won't be any miracles, and we shouldn't be negative. We can't get depressed. It will come to an end. Let's look at what the international business picture might be once it does. Let's say a year from now. I'm going to start with a big picture before going on to what I think it all means for small and medium businesses, SMEs. Some markets are likely to change very quickly, if only for a short time. If the dire projections of millions of deaths worldwide and hundreds of thousands in any one Western country prove correct, so many things will change. Every business will be affected differently, but all will be affected in some way or another. Undertakers will do good business, but let's leave that aside. For a moment, let's suppose that all the deaths are confined to older people, retired and outside the workforce. That's obviously not a given, just for the moment. As a result, the demand for care, homes, medical services will decline for a time after the event goes because there'll be a smaller market. Houses and flats will come onto the market and services that disproportionately depend upon revenue from older people will suffer. Things like restaurants, bookshops, things that more old people spend money on than anything else. Even if the worst fears are not realised and the death toll ends up being relatively low, which we obviously all hope, we still know that travel and shipping will be affected, as they already are. Some airlines and shipping companies will fold. Cruises aren't getting a good press either, whereas previously the worst that might happen was for passengers to contract food poisoning. Now potential customers can see that they can be a trap for viral infections too. And that's another market where older people are probably disproportionate uh, numbers of customers. Even so, even if all the risks of illness weren't enough to dissuade them, the older tourists most affected by COVID-19 are bound to notice. But hang on, we're, we're thinking about business here on this podcast, not vacations. One definite result will be that international supply chains, where components are manufactured in different countries and shipped between them, will be re-examined. 
Some pundits are saying that that will lead to manufacturing closer to the market. Of course, that might happen, but it's not a quick fix. More likely, to my mind, is that most manufacturing will stay where it is today, but that just-in-time strategies will be reconsidered. So there'll be more stock held. To bring manufacturing home, we'll need robots. We don't have the labour, and we need the productivity. It's very desirable from a productivity viewpoint. Huge advances have been made in recent years in robotics, and small-scale, lower-cost solutions are now available. Nevertheless, The investment costs are still pretty high, uh, especially for small and medium-sized businesses. And while robots can replace employees doing repetitive tasks, so typically that's going to be your lower-cost labour, implementation of robotics is bound to require companies to hire some more expensive, and probably very scarce, technical specialists. Even the new, cheaper and simpler robots are comparatively expensive. So... Who will invest in them and when? Smaller companies have been reluctant or unable to invest in anything, even business-critical things in recent years. Many business owners will suffer financial losses over this crisis period. Perhaps their sales will suffer. Perhaps they'll have staff off sick, not only losing production capacity, but incurring the costs of sick pay or overtime. Their supply chains may suffer. They may have to pay people to attend when there's nothing for them to produce. External investors are likely to have stock market exposure of their own, and they'll probably be nursing their losses after all of this is over and reluctant to invest quickly in new and uncertain um, technological fixes. When does uncertainty change to certainty? Why robotize here when the job can be done more cheaply with overseas labor anyway? Those labor, labor costs in other countries will continue to drive international business for at least the next decade. The impact of coronavirus might even be to reduce labor costs in our own countries. We'll have to wait and see. Some countries are bound to be more affected than others. China, South Korea and Italy are currently the worst, but the rate of infection in other countries may have overtaken all of those by the time you listen to this podcast. What we don't know now is how resilient each country's economy is going to be to the growing crisis. That, and the rate of business recovery once the epidemic declines, is the real critical consideration. Personally, I'm guessing that those countries like China, South Korea and Japan in Asia will get back to work quicker than the ones like Italy and Spain. But that's based on stereotyped attitudes to work and productivity, and I could be very wrong. Some countries where infection rates are currently really low or even zero, those in South America or Africa, might suffer relatively little or even not at all from the coronavirus epidemic. And they might have the opportunity, if they're wise and savvy, to economically leap frog some other countries that currently appear stronger than them. Such countries are worth looking out for. They could be stronger new markets in the future. Equally, they could have good labour resources to help businesses overcome the issues that they may face at home. Let's get away from COVID-19 for a minute, but not away from crises. As the effect of coronavirus reduces, expect environmental campaigners to grab every opportunity to emphasise that we may have resolved one crisis, but the climate change crisis hasn't gone away. It's a very strong and very essential message, and one that needs to be listened to and acted on. And I suspect they'll be right that the end of the coronavirus epidemic, or is it a pandemic, 
well, represents a great opportunity for them. The most obvious impact on international business will be the call to cut international business air travel. To an extent, that'll succeed, as by then we'll all have got even more used to using video and phone conferencing, and I imagine we'll be less likely to grab the opportunity to jump on a plane. Nevertheless, for successful international business, there really is no substitute for actually being there. But that's a subject I'll come back to in another podcast. The other pressure will be to move towards more sustainable diets, and as I talked about earlier, tighter supply chains. Neither will be quick or easy. However, companies that are positioned to benefit from either should be ready to pounce on the business opportunity that will arise. And that's the whole point of this podcast. Coronavirus is a crisis, but it's not the end of the world. The crisis will end, almost certainly, by the end of this year. By that time, unless there's a very quick solution, which seems unlikely, many things will have changed. The airlines that survive will rethink their routes and their timetables. Businesses will be more open to solutions that will reduce or eliminate the impact of any future pandemic. Governments around the world will have spent massively on things they didn't expect to, and meanwhile, their tax revenues will have reduced significantly. Debt will pile up there, and in companies too. One inevitable result will be that currency exchange rates will change. That might make it cheaper to import, or make exports more competitive. It really depends upon which countries do better than others. In theory also, here in Britain, we'll be facing a post-Brexit world of new tariffs and trade deals as the current transition period comes to an end at the 31st of December. Personally, I'm guessing that the current crisis will delay everything and using that as an excuse, if that's what they need, the transition period will actually be extended into or beyond 2021. But nobody knows. Let's see. What we can be confident of is that at least 98% of the world's population will survive into 2021. The global market will still be there. The global talent pool will still be there. The events of 2020 may change the landscape and certainly some companies will fail. But taking an optimistic international business perspective, I think that the events will need to be seen as creating stronger opportunities for some companies and completely new ones for others. The key, if you're an entrepreneur, is to be informed, prepared. Determined entrepreneurs will be taking their enforced working from home time to plan for the future. Rather than panicking about how to manage the present, that means starting with a 2021 plan now. Becoming voracious readers of true media and expert predictions, staying on top of events on a daily basis, and continually revising the plan as events unfold, so that they're ready as soon as the current crisis ends and the opportunities arise. Whatever happens, self-isolating and waiting to see what happens in the end won't make your business successful. Planning, adapting and thinking globally will. Good luck and thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed listening to this conversation and this podcast. I really welcome your comments and also suggestions for future conversations. We post new content every week. So please do click on the subscribe button and follow this, the Grow Through International Expansion podcast. You can also find the transcript, other articles and detailed resources relating to this episode on our website, growinternational.org. There, you can also join as a member for future updates and find all our other articles, videos and podcasts and benefit from other features, including free consultations and independent online advice. Again, that's www.growinternational.org. Until next time, this is Oliver Dowson wishing you success and reminding you 
that international expansion may be easier than you may think. Mm-hmm.